Welcome. Good morning. Today's sermon is about the story of Ruth, which is the story of God's redemption through ordinary people. And for those of you who are on Facebook and saw the post online, um, the Bible Project does every book of the Bible um, in a really cool way, illustrates it for us to see um, and tells the story of it. Um, I posted that link earlier this week, this past week, um, about the book of Ruth. And that's where we will be headed today. We'll be headed to the book of Ruth. We'll stop in Matthew, and we'll go all the way back to Ruth, and we'll stay there for the rest of the rest of the story. In Matthew 1, we see Jesus' genealogy. And that's what we've been looking at for the past few weeks during this Advent. We've been looking at Jesus' genealogy and looking at the main women that are mentioned in Jesus' lineage. Matthew mentions five women, four of them technically Gentiles. So that's kind of different. Matthew, writing to a Jewish audience, mentions Gentile women in his book. And Ruth is one of those Gentiles, a Moabite. Which, if you didn't know what a Moabite was, it is the ancestors of Moab, which is Lot and his daughter's child, eldest daughter's child, and the descendants of them. them. They are neighboring in the ancient kingdoms of Israel and Judah to the west past the Jordan River. And only Esther and Ruth are female-led books in the Old Testament, where they get their own names, and they get the title. We don't necessarily know who wrote them, but we know that they are the main characters. So Ruth is who we're going to focus on today. And something to note in that book of Ruth, that God is hardly mentioned at all. It's weird. Most of the time, God is mentioned numerous, numerous times in the books of the Bible. But God is hardly mentioned, but clearly shown through the characters, words, and actions. So these people are showing God's characters, God's character, and God's actions. We'll stop in Matthew first. So Matthew 1, chapter 5, or chapter 1, verse 5. Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, and Obed was the father of Jesse. And as we know, Jesse was the father of many sons, including David. Let's go now to Ruth. I'll let you get there for a little bit. It takes some time to find Ruth. Just four short chapters, kind of like the book of Jonah, but I'm not going to read the whole four chapters. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, in Ruth chapter 1, we see a family mentioned, Elimelech and his wife Naomi and his two sons, Mahalom and Kilian. Now, this is the time of the judges where Israel and Judah had, Israel had no king, there was one kingdom, and they were ruled by judges, people who were divinely inspired by God but not necessarily the ruling powers of the king. But people came to them with all their problems and all their circumstances, and they decided things based on the book of Moses, the 
law of Moses. But something tragic happened. In Ruth chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other married a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malone and Kilian died. This left Naomi alone with her two sons, without her two sons, and her husband. So tragedy strikes this poor little family that we get here to be introduced to in the book of Ruth. And time goes on, and Naomi is like, I hear that Judah, back in my hometown, that famine is no longer a thing, and that there's plenty to go around. So I'm going to leave Moab and head back to Bethlehem. But she tells her daughters-in-law to leave her. Like, go find new husbands. It's literally ridiculous for you to wait for me to have more children. If you like me so much and you like the sons that I have, I'm never going to find a new man. I can't have children again. Just leave. Go back to your hometowns. Go back to your moms and your dad. And just leave. Or blood grease. But Ruth replied this in chapter 1, verse 16 through 18. Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more and let her go along. She makes it to her hometown of Bethlehem and renames herself Mara, Naomi does, because she is full of bitterness, and her original name, Naomi, means joyful. So she's gone from joyful to bitter. But we go on chapter 2, and we find ourselves in the fields of barley, in the farmer's <coughs> field of Boaz. Now, Boaz was a rich and wealthy and influential man in the town of Bethlehem. He also happens to be Naomi's relative. That's important to remember. Ruth listens to Naomi and goes into the fields and starts to gather the bits and things that all the workers have left off so that they can make their own food because they are poor widowed women. And poor widowed women couldn't have jobs because their job was in the home to take care of their husbands and their families. Without husbands and families, they were left with nothing. So in Ruth chapter 2, we see Naomi meet Boaz. And when they first meet, Boaz sees her working so hard and diligently, and is like, you know, let, let her have some more grain than the, rest of, than the rest of the other people. She seems to be loyal to Naomi and her family, and I've, I've heard about this one and her family. And Boaz was really kind to her. And Ruth responds greatly. She says in chapter 2, verses 10 through 13, she fell at his feet and she thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked, for I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, 
but I also know everything that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and your mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. And Ruth replies with this, I hope I have continued to please you, sir, and you have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. So this carries on throughout the summer. And Ruth continues to follow along with the growing and the harvesting of the barley. And Boaz <laughs> continues to notice Ruth probably in the background or in the foreground of his mind. I'm not quite sure. We don't get all the juicy details of Boaz and Ruth, necessarily. But something's brewing. And Naomi knows it. Because one day, in chapter 3, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I have found a permanent home for you and that you will be provided for. You know that Boaz is a close relative of mine and he's been very kind to you, letting you gather grain for these young women. Tonight, I have a plan. I have a plan. You're going to go to the threshing floor where Boaz has been working. He will be eating and drinking and celebrating. And you are to, at home, bathe, put on perfume, put on your nicest clothes, change out of your working widow clothes, and transform yourself, basically. Naomi's kind of like, you know, her, her, her mother-in-law is also kind of like her fairy godmother, you know how she goes, fairy godmother goes in, waves her wand, and magic happens. And, you know, the woman is transformed into something that look someone that looks like she's more desirable than what she had with her before. And I'm sure Boaz noticed Ruth. I mean, he did notice her, but, you know, she's in her widow's clothes. She's still mourning her husband, still mourning her family and everything. This, in this light, Boaz is going to notice So Ruth does as Naomi asks and goes to the threshing floor, watches Boaz eat and drink, and then he goes to fall, fall asleep, and she sneaks over and lays near his feet and, and covers his feet and lays there and just waits. I don't know what she was thinking. I don't know why they did this. It's very different cultural things. But around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked, for it's night. He didn't recognize her. And he, she says, I am your servant Ruth. Spread the corner of your covering over to me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. So Boaz knows that Ruth is needing a husband. And he's surprised to find that it's him. Instead of someone a little more her age, a little more eligible, that has nothing to do with Naomi and being a family redeemer. And don't worry about a thing. He says, well, I will do what is necessary. For everyone in town knows that you are a virtuous woman. 
Why is he calling her a virtuous woman? What does that mean? We'll, we'll touch back to that later. But Boaz returned to the town and gave, before he did that, he gave her six scoops of barley to take back to Naomi to eat on and to have, and to give her kind of a, a gift, a sign, that he would do what he said, so that he would go to the town and ask about being a family redeemer for Naomi's family. So Boaz does this. He finds actually a closer relative of Naomi and says, you know, the land of Elimelech is currently belonging to Naomi, but it needs to be redeemed back to being worked and being a field that everyone can use. So the guy is like, sure, I'll do that. But then Boaz is like, wait a second. She's got this daughter-in-law named Ruth, and she needs to be married so that they can continue on the family name, and they can continue on the family. And that guy's like, well, wait a second. I don't want to do that. Never mind. I don't want to marry Ruth. So Boaz is like, oh, okay, I'll take over. I'll do it. And Boaz then says that he's going to marry Ruth and that all the town elders will be his witnesses. And the elders and all the people standing at the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrath and be famous in Bethlehem. May the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of your ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. Interesting, right? Why did they give that blessing? That sounds very familiar, doesn't it? It sounds very familiar to prophecy that will maybe be done later, given to King David, and then later to the prophet Isaiah, and then later spelled out in the genealogy of Matthew. Huh. God is not mentioned here, but I think God is at work here. Who would inspire such a people to say these things, to give these blessings upon this Moabite woman and Boaz? Who, who is she to get such a treatment? So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. And when he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and, gave, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord who has now, has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who has been better for you to you than seven sons. Wow. Another blessing upon this family. Upon a seemingly small and insignificant family. But they're not insignificant, are they? Because we know who they are. Keep going, who the line keeps going on to. We get that. We get that in Matthew. We get where the line keeps going. We get that the line goes to King David. And King David is promised sons and kingship forever by God. And who is that king? Jesus. 
So we go from Ruth, a Moabite woman, kind of the outcast and foreigner to the Israelites, being brought in to the fold, being brought into the family, being blessed by the Israelites, saying that she will be, she and her offspring will be famous among Israel. It's crazy to me that Naomi's plan, Ruth's action, and Boaz's reaction were all just ordinary people doing things that made sense in their culture, doing things that made sense to how they were taught, how they were brought up. And when they named the child Obed, it means servant of God. So God is mentioned again here. But God isn't the main character of the story. An ordinary person named Ruth is the main character of the story. So let's go to God's redemption. The book of Ruth, taking place in the time of the judges, speaks of how God works in the lives of ordinary people to bring about extraordinary events. The lives of Boaz, Ruth, and Naomi meant so much to God because they knew that this was the virtuous family that Jesus was to be part of in his earthly lineage. Again, virtuous. I've, oh, I read somewhere earlier that Ruth and the Proverbs 31 woman are like one and the same. She is the virtuous woman who takes care of her household, who works diligently, who praises God and wants for nothing. Jesus' human nature was not one, was not only one of royalty through King David, but it was one of a virtuous and righteous Gentile woman who became wives and mothers to the men in the line of Judah and beyond. Ruth's first decision to follow Naomi back to Bethlehem was not only an extreme act of loyalty on her part, but a cosmic decision that changed the course of history. The Messianic promise. Obed, the son of Boaz, from the line of Judah, and Ruth from Moab, remember where she comes from, became the father of Jesse. And that man, Jesse, became the father of many sons, including his youngest, David, who later became king of all Israel, the second king of all Israel. Through not only the covenant made to Abraham all the way back in Genesis, but through the new promise of a forever king, the line of the kingship of David, comes the promise of the Messiah. The Messiah, or the Anointed One, was to come to save the Israelites from all oppression and captivity, which at the time of the promise of David seemed odd. But later in Isaiah, we see what that fullness of that promise of the Messiah means when they are having trouble with their kings, and trouble with their kingdoms. I have questions for today. Questions from the book of Ruth. Questions about Jesus. Questions about why these people were chosen and why they are written in this book and why they are kept, their story is kept forever in written form. Why did God choose the family of Naomi to bring into Boaz? What was it about Ruth that made her virtuous and the rightful ancestor of David and Jesus? 
Why was Boaz the relative God chose to redeem Naomi's family? Why not the other guy? Did Boaz think that Ruth was a possibility for a wife? Or did he just see her as a poor widow working in his fields? How is Naomi and thus the world redeemed? How is God present in this story? Well, I thought about it, and after reading and researching, come up with these answers. I think that God chose Naomi's family because they knew the types of people that they were. They knew how dedicated they were, how nice they were, how hardworking they were. Ruth was kind, loyal, and generous, hardworking, and not afraid to change her entire life for one person. She didn't know that she was going to get remarried. She had no idea. She was just going to follow this woman until she died. Which, considering the generational disparity, it could have been a long time after Naomi died when she died. And she, would have, she just would have been happy living alone. I can't live alone. I know that. So I think that's crazy. But Ruth was willing to do that. And God chose her because she was willing to do that. Boaz was a man of integrity. He was also generous, loyal, hardworking, and willing to see Ruth for who she truly was and redeem Naomi's family. And I think that Naomi's plan sped up the process of Ruth being truly noticed by Boaz anyway. It seemed to me that Boaz took a special, in, special interest in Ruth right away. It just might have taken a long time for that love story to be, to be unfolded. Men are a little slow sometimes when it comes to romance. And I think that Boaz would have waited too long. And we wouldn't have gotten the story that we had. So Naomi, like the other women in Jesus' line, took action into their own hands and made stuff happen. I always hear that, that joke that men are the head of the household, but the woman is the neck, turning the head from left to right. So I think these women were strong necks, you know, moving these men along the story, moving the story along to get things going. Naomi, the other main character in this story, was redeemed by having another generation being born into her family line. She was directly related to Boaz, and his closeness redeemed her family and her family union. Which, little did she know, that her and Boaz's family lines were necessary to birth the Messiah. That wasn't even a thing back then. You know, Israel didn't even have a king yet. They were just ruled by judges. They had no idea there was going to be a Messiah. They just knew that they were the promised people of God and that their descendants would be many from the covenant of Abraham. God was mentioned throughout the story in the blessings of the people of the town of Bethlehem to Boaz and to Ruth and to Naomi. But God demonstrated their power through the ordinary to bring extraordinary to life. Through ordinary people, God can do extraordinary things, okay? Through ordinary people, like you and like me, God can do extraordinary things. I just thought of this example. 
one night a few years ago, we were up here. Um, uh, it was a worship team practice. And I remember God using me in a moment of healing. Pastor's wife, my mother-in-law, mom, Connie, was feeling ill of some sort. I couldn't remember. I don't remember what I said. And I just remember being like, let's pray, and I'm going to extend my hand to her stomach, and we'll see what happens. And she was healed instantly. And I didn't do anything. I just stuck my hand out. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what she has. I don't have medicinal um, resources. But I had God. And God can do miraculous things through ordinary people. And she was healed. This mysterious stomach illness, pain, whatever it was, just disappeared. And there are many stories like that. God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I mean, the disciples of Jesus, they were ordinary, weren't they? they were we were told they were ordinary. That they were run-of-the-mill everyday people. Jesus blessed them, and suddenly, they could do the same thing Jesus could do. They could heal the sick, they could cast out demons, and they could raise the dead. God used Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz to do an extraordinary thing, to redeem a family, to make it whole, and to pass down the line so that Jesus would be born to Mary and Joseph so many years later. So that we met the Messiah. The one who did the most glorious thing of all, dying for us, so that we may be set free to live lives in relationship with God, so that we may too be righteous. Overall, the book of Ruth and her part in the story in the lineage of Jesus the Messiah is a beautifully written story of going from tragedy to redemption. God, though not mentioned, was a background player in the whole thing. But I'm sure he had a supporting hand in helping the stars to shine. Naomi went from a bitter, sad woman to a woman with a plan, and then a woman full of joy and hope for the future. Ruth was a loyal woman who deserves to have her name to be written in the lineage of Jesus. Boaz was a strong man who made the right decision at the right time through the help of Ruth and Naomi. Through ordinary people, God can do extraordinary things. And today I want us to know that even though we are ordinary, sorry to let you know you're ordinary. I know. Your name's not written in lights, not everyone knows who you are. The ordinary people. However, you have the God of the universe, the most powerful being ever, the uncreated one, at your side, going before you, pushing you from behind, so that you may be people of God, doing extraordinary things in the everyday mundane. And in this Advent time, in this Christmas season, 
it feels like the most wonderful time of the year sometimes. I know I looked out this morning and thought, wow, it's white. The trees look nice. I like the way it looks. This is a nice time. I get why they rewrite so many songs about this time of year. But sometimes, through the ordinary hustle and bustle of life, we lose sight that we are extraordinary people with the help of God. And may your days be full of God and moving forward and moving with hope for the future. May your days be filled with extraordinary events that you can only see either by looking back or by really living in the moment. Don't let God be an afterthought this time of year. Bring God forward. Put him in the forefront of your mind. Pray to him. Have the Holy Spirit fill you. For you never know what God can do for you. You never know. Just reach out your hand and trust that something extraordinary is going to happen through this ordinary people. say thanks for joining us for our worship celebration today and uh, if you've not already done so on our Facebook uh, group the uh, Champions of Hope link on that and for that is on our Facebook page so go out in peace have courage hold on to what is good return blessings for evil strengthen the faint-hearted Support the weak, help the suffering, honor everyone, love and serve Jesus. In other words, do extraordinary things because you're ordinary people with an extraordinary God. Rejoice in the power of his Holy Spirit. You are sent. Go with Jesus. Mm -hmm.